When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going, but there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S.com. Welcome back, or should we say, g'day, mate. It's not another true crime podcast. <laughs> oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. <laughs> You're lucky I didn't do that in an Australian accent, mostly because I don't actually know how to do one. Um, I can I can barely speak in my voice, so I don't know how to. <laughs> I can't I can't I can't take uh, uh, leaps with that. I'm not. We're not Meryl Streep here. That is real. That is so real. But before we get into that, also, you guys know it's not another true crime podcast. Blah blah blah. Like you know what the deal is at this point. Yeah, yeah. We've been a few years in. We know you know it. <laughs> oh my gosh, so many years in. Um, and speaking of, I don't really know how that's speaking of. But I actually was thinking it's been almost a year to the date from our very first live show. Oh, I think next week, actually, when yes. this comes out, I think it will be like three years to the, the day. Literally, the the final kickoff before the world changed. Yes, <laughs> but luckily we're back. Yes, we will be back at our favorite place, Union Hall in New York, February sixteenth. It's a Thursday. Like, come out with us. It's gonna be so fun. Yeah, who works on Fridays anyway? I mean, all of us do. But I don't. Yeah. Oh, you you actually don't. Okay. I actually don't because I have a weird work schedule. Shouts out. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but for everybody so else, I'll be I getting will... turned. <laughs> okay. And we will be watching Sarah get turned while we all set our alarms for Friday morning. But we would really love to see you all there. Uh, tickets are at unionhallnewyork.com or unionhallny.com. And also we've been posting all about the tickets link- links and stuff too. So it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a great time. Also, this was not from our podcast, but um, I was in Atlanta this weekend and I was at like this bar that used to be my favorite bar. It was, it's church themed. Ooh. <laughs> you can literally, they have like, I mean, just like blasphemous memorabilia everywhere. Oh my God. They have a rack of like fake priest robes that like they, they're, they're made of like the graduation robe material, like complete shit oh that you can try God. on and just like, la la la. Anyway, so I was there and I am like walking back from the bathroom and I hear, are you Sarah? And I turn around uh, and I'm like, what? And she's like, I listened to the podcast. Uh, like, And I was like, oh my fucking God. Oh my gosh. So it was like so great. So we're hoping we can have more of that at the show. Please. Not, like just hanging out with you guys. So Yes. Oh my God. Also, um, need to go to this church bar too. Oh my God. <laughs> it sounds so amazing. fun. It is iconic place. <laughs> oh my God. I love that though. Yay. Shout out to Atlanta. Yes, we love it. And so, shouts out to Atlanta. I'm trying to think of a segue. I'm like, well, I you went, went, you went down under the there we south go. of America, not the South America, but south of south of New York. Yes, yeah, like the the South to down under pipeline. 
Yes. I feel we have to get underway. And wow, don't you guys love how we really don't spend that much time bullshitting at the top of the episode? We try, we, 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 in, we try, because we know we end up bullshitting sometimes throughout it. So we really, you know, yeah, <laughs> we like true. To we got to right disperse. Today, we're going to talk about a very well-known case uh, in Australia. If you know, you know, the disappearance of the Beaumont children. And I feel like this case just encapsulates so much about a changing time, you know, like, oh. I mean, not now I sound like a boomer, but like when, which is, there's nothing wrong with that, by the way. Um, but, you know, it used to be like back in the good old days. And it's like, I it's don't know, I to the time when like that. looking at the, the stats or the information about this case, I was like, I could, I couldn't even imagine a time when this was a thing. But then when I was like talking to my mom about it, she was like, uh, born around this time or a little bit then mm-hmm. and she was just like yeah life used to be a lot more or like sometimes life used to be a lot less scary or like a lot yeah, less like a about lot more chill yeah here's what happened on January 26 1966 Jane Anna and Grant Beaumont went to the beach near uh, their Adelaide home they had lunch and they then disappeared without a trace and this was a major disappearance at the Glenelg Beach in South Australia, and it was just, like, a huge thing. Instantly became, like, media storm as well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, completely. And at the time of their disappearance, they were nine, seven, and four. So, obviously, during this time, they lived with their parents, Grant, a.k.a. Jim, a former serviceman and taxi driver, and Nancy, their mom, who, if it's relevant to you all, got married in December of 1955. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> they lived in a suburban town called Somerton Park, which wasn't far from the beach where the kids disappeared. And it was a very popular family destination. That's like, it was like every single article that I read, they're like, families loved this beach. And it's like, families loved beaches. It's a like, beach, it's, right. <laughs> it's not, it was kind of an interesting thing. We're like, you guys don't understand how much families in Australia love beaches. And I was like, I, 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 I think, think I, we get it. I, I comprehend. I comprehend the importance of the beach. Yeah. That's like that one tweet about um, how... <laughs> Were you in college? Did everyone, did every like campus that you toured uh, believe that they had really weird squirrels? Yes. Like, no, the squirrels are really weird here. Okay, right? Yes. Oh my God. A hundred percent. And you're like, I think they're just squirrels. Not to toot Fordham University's horn, but we also had cats on campus. Okay, yes, the bodega cats on the loose. Yes. I, they were like <laughs> literally like living their best life, and I would try to feed all of them. Oh, my God. Okay, that is pretty amazing, but that is funny about the beach. We're like, yeah, we we get it. It's a beach. <laughs> I, I, poor, I feel bad for any family I see on a beach because they have to lug 12 Ugh. things of, like, sand castle stuff. My God. <laughs> and, like, like, a cooler full of everything you own. I think if I, if, if I ever become a parent, I would just tell my kids that beaches don't exist. So I don't have to <laughs> lug all of that stuff. Maybe, that, oh maybe I shouldn't be a parent then. <laughs> but because I'm like, Santa can be real. Beaches are not. <laughs> So the day before the disappearance, the dad had dropped them off at the beach for a day when he went to work because it was a heat wave. And then the next day, January 26th, they asked their mom to go back to the beach. And I think they took the bus. And mm-hmm. yeah, so the dad had has said before that Jane had uh, the brain of a 15-year-old. Um, that was not a direct quote. I just paraphrased it. So he trusted her to take the kids to the beach. And yeah, I mean, that was kind of normal. Like she was nine. She would just watch the other two. That was kind of. And it was close to it. It's not like they were like traveling an hour away or something like that. 
Yeah. And exactly. So since it was hot, they took a bus. It was like a five-minute bus ride. And they got on at 8.45 in the morning. They were supposed to come back at noon. And everything was going according to plan until their mom got worried when they weren't on the noon or the 2 o'clock bus. Mm -hmm. And then Jim got home around 3 and immediately drove to the beach to look for them. He couldn't find them. And so they immediately went to look around the streets and around their friends' homes. After 5.30 p.m., they went to the Glen Ellick Police Station to report the disappearance. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, it's three missing kids, so no one was kind of, like, and also, like, under the age of 10, so it's there, there could be mm-hmm. no, like, oh, maybe they just got, like, all the things that people say Maybe they about, just like, want, like, yeah, yeah, maybe they just wanted to go start a new life. Yeah, maybe they like didn't want to talk about, to you. Yeah. <laughs> right, like, adults who disappeared, they're like, well, maybe they're off the grid, and you're just like, are you? Like... Are, like, is that is that where we're just? How many people do you know that just like pick up and leave? Be like, goodbye. Literally in the middle of doing something else. Like I just. <laughs> uh, so no, obviously this was not the case. Marry a deodorant pack. Like, come on, people. <laughs> so yeah, this was not the case, and the town very quickly, the neighborhood really got into formation. And then when they went to the police station, they also quickly got into it. The search happened very fast of both the beach and the adjacent areas because at that point. They thought, like, because, like, they're kids. They were like, oh, maybe they're just, like, playing, having a really fun time at the beach and didn't realize the time. They didn't realize, like, oh, that they missed all their uh, buses and everything like that. And it was a heat wave, so they probably wouldn't want to leave the beach. Kind of things along those lines. But after they didn't turn up from there, they expanded the search to also, like, nearby spots. Like, to kind of be like, oh, maybe they're, like, playing at a friend's house they saw or, like, a neighborhood parent picked them up and they're like, oh, you want to just come like have like dinner with like, you know what I mean? Something harmless along those lines. But also at this time, they started to monitor travel hubs like train station, bus stops, everything like that. Because they're kind of now like this could maybe be a kidnapping. It's when they started to get more sinister notions in their mind. By the morning, boats from the Sea Rescue Squadron had joined the search efforts. Um, Airports were also alerted and roadblocks were set up to monitor anyone driving in and out of the state of Alidade. So they really kind of went full-on lockdown to try to find out where these kids were. Uh, And kind of like me and Tara said at the beginning of uh, the episode, the case almost immediately became a media sensation, like, Basically, 24 hours later, the entire nation knew that this was going on, uh, the details of it, aka meaning, like, the kids missing, the beach they were at, the parents, where the parents lived, everything like that. So, like, uh, reporters swarmed their house, uh, which is stressful, but I think they also kind of were using this as a, like, let's get as much word out as we can. Uh, Jim addressed the reporters in the middle of the morning on January 28th, saying... Someone must be holding them against their will. They would otherwise have come home by now. It's a complete mystery. I can't understand it. My kids will be crying their eyes out. It's like a nightmare, which I could only could, could not even begin to imagine the nightmare that they were feeling. And also just of not knowing where their kids were and then imagining their kids just being lost or confused or et cetera. On January 29th, the major paper in the area uh, kind of took this to, took a uh, high alert to the next level, saying that um, sex crimes were now feared in its headline due to a rapidly evolving theory. There's not much basis of it, but just theory in terms from reactions of their search and everything like that. 
that the kids had been abducted and murdered by a sex offender. So really kind of getting into major nightmare situation. A boat haven was drained that same day, too, after a woman said, she talked to three kids. They kind of fit the description, but when looking at the description, she just talked to three kids. So hard, but they they did kind of want to... No lead was worth throwing out at this point because they didn't really have that much to go on. So they drained this haven around 7 p.m. on the... Like, around those days on the 26th, nothing was found. When it comes to the plant-based eating debate, there's more to consider than just healthy or unhealthy. Of course, we want to eat things that make us feel good and generate energy to keep us going. But there's also a major environmental component that drives a lot of people to a plant-focused diet. But you don't have to give up some of your faves entirely. Impossible Foods makes meat from plants. They're solving the meat problem with more meat. By creating delicious meat from plants that's better for you and the planet, Impossible lets you enjoy some of your favorite meaty products with a plant-based twist. Ground beef, homestyle meatballs, sausage patties, all made from plants. And that's just a few of their delicious and versatile options. No more tension between craving meat but not wanting to eat so much of it or sacrificing your carnivorous faves for your health. Indulge in nutrient-packed, plant-based goodness and feel good doing it. Check out impossiblefoods.com to see how you can help solve the meat problem with more meat. That's I-M-P-O-S-S-I-B-L-E-F-O-O-D-S dot com. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. And so we'll get into like some suspects deciding and then get into like some specifics. But immediately they get a description of a person and he doesn't have a name just yet. Um, but he had like a very particular description. He's a tall man with light brown hair and a thin face, maybe in his mid 30s. And he was like also described as like strikingly like lanky, like very like everybody noted that this guy was. Very like gaunt, yes. um, thin face. I'm just he, like, wow, imagine <laughs> everyone's just like, he's so gaunt, yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, and so he was dressed in a bathing suit, so he looks like a regular beachgoer. And the kids were apparently playing with him, um, relaxing and enjoying themselves. Um, and he apparently approached one of the witnesses asking if anyone had been near the kids' stuff because their money was missing. Very, very weird. Weird. And also, like, to be almost, like, acting as, like, an advocate for the kids on the beach. You know what I mean? Being like, hey, anyone's Like, it's kind of very encroaching on themselves. I'm sure, like, in the moment, you're maybe like, oh, what a friendly bystander back then. But I feel now you're kind of like, why the fuck Well, I think that maybe he wanted people to think that, like, he, he knew was- them. Mm. But I'm all- it's weird to, like, sort of go out of your way to make yourself noticeable. That, That's yeah. very odd. Um, and so the kids actually waited for him as he went off to get changed. And at that around, then around 12.15, they were seen walking off together. And the parents said that maybe Jane and the kids were shy. So, oh, they said, they know that the kids were shy. So they said maybe they'd met the man during previous visits to the beach. I don't know. 
Which I guess because their whole thing, they were like, when people were bringing this up, they were like, they would never just talk to a stranger. They would be like, they would never do that. So they were like, maybe this guy was kind of like grooming them somehow through like, like playing with them every single time they go to the beach. Yeah. And so the mom, after hearing this, also remembered that Anna once said Jane, quote, had a boyfriend down the beach, but didn't think anything of it until the disappearance, which makes sense. Exactly. You'd be like, oh, he has a cute little boyfriend. I was like, a, like a kid. Like, sure, sure, sure. But now it takes right. a much worse connotation. Yeah. I feel like when you're a kid, anyone you play with is your boyfriend. You're just like, sure, whatever. You have like mad like, weddings by. in first grade. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that, didn't Pinterest just normalize fake weddings anyway? <laughs> True. <laughs> but this is kind of where I almost wonder, because the kids, I mean, it was a heat wave. So maybe it was just that because the kids begged to go back to the beach the next day. So mm-hmm. I wonder, because that made me think, I wonder if this guy was like, oh, you have to come tomorrow. I'll bring more toys or something like that, too. That is just a Danny theory. No one else is yeah. doing that. But I kind of, it made me, when I when when I heard this fact of it, it kind of made me think, oh, that's weird that they, like, I know it was a heat wave and, like, a beach is just one place to go to. But I kind of was like, oh, I wonder if this man really was planting seeds. Definitely weird. And then on top of this, an employee at Wenzel's Bakery reported that Jane had bought a few items from there with a $1 note. And that was actually seen as further evidence that the kids were with someone for two reasons. Because one, the store owner knew the kids from other visits and they had bought meat pies, which they had never bought before. And also the mom only gave them six shillings and six pence. So like exact change for lunch and the bus fare, not enough for these meat pies. So they were like, okay, so maybe this adult gave them money. Mm-hmm. Cause like they couldn't just trade in for a dollar or a one, a one, a one note. Yeah. Yes. So um, an initial statement said that the kids were seen walking alone at about 3 PM away from the beach on jetty road, which is the general direction um, from their house. But the, this account came from a postman who knew the kids well, who went on to say that the last uh, the kids were holding hands and laughing. And at the time, it was the last confirmed sighting. But then two days after his statement, the postman kind of was like, ah, you know what? I think I saw them in the morning. So we're not really sure. That went from giving them hope of like, oh, they were going this way to, oh. Uh. Yeah. And I mean, I feel, as we all know, the more popular a case gets, obviously, the more attention it gets, which you think could be a good thing in terms of like, oh, so many people are looking for these kids, but almost, not always, but uh, so many of those times, it ends up just making it more convoluted, more complicated, more just too many cooks in the kitchen, to put it plainly. There's too many crackpots, honestly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple of those in this story, too. Oh, like, for example, Gerard Croset. Who, yes. um, no, he's he sounds not, very French, but he's Dutch. Dutch, which, where's the twist in that? Yeah, a croissant, <laughs> I guess, croissant. Yeah, but that is very French. Didn't see that one coming. No, <laughs> he didn't see a lot coming. Um, no. So he's a Dutch psychic, mm-hmm, who on November 8th, 1966, so this, so like this has been going on for like a few, a few months now, a few months after the initial missing, was brought in to assist with the search. I think that's when you're kind of like, all right, what do we, there's no new technology being developed. We'll try anything at this point. (laughs) You know? I get it. Spaghetti to the wall. I've called psychics for less. (laughs) Can I tell, can I say something? Yeah. Honestly. (laughs) Oh, that Miss Cleo doc was so good. 
Um, <laughs> this caused a media frenzy, of course, because his story was, he wasn't, I don't know, maybe he's just not a good psychic in Australia, but maybe his like expert, maybe when he flew, he left some of his powers over, over, over in Europe. But his story kept on changing day to day, having literally zero clues. So he was not that successful. And one of his major things that he did was he identified a spot at a warehouse near the children's home in which he believed their bodies had been buried inside the remains of an old brick kiln. The property owners of this warehouse were like, um, I, I, we don't want to, we don't, we don't, we're not going to ruin our, this spot just because of a psychic's claim. Um, no. So, and also on top of this, the cops were like, we're not touching the psychic's theory with a 10-foot pole. No, thank you. Uh, but weird. <laughs> yeah, the property owners, of course, like public pressure from this because it was it was such a media heavy case. People are like, "You're not going to do like this." Psychic has the answers for this family and for us. So they bow to public pressure because like the publicity from all this helped them raise forty thousand dollars to have the building demolished, and the event was even televised because they were like, "This is going to be." This is going to be it. This is like Geraldo Rivera. That's so weird to televise it. And uh, yeah, nothing, nothing was found. So (laughs) the man really risked it all. He uh, he really uh, gave some uh, some 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 very false false hope there. And on top of that, too, um, like we see in a lot of cases that get very. Popular and almost unfortunately, when it's children involved, or I'm just thinking of the the Vatican girl. Also, with this, like the parents received two letters two years after the children's disappearance. One was allegedly written by Jane, and another by a man saying that he was helping the kids. The envelopes like help show that these came from uh, Dandenong, Victoria. The letters were positive. I was like. I saw my name and I was like, You just got to sound it out, I guess. I got sounded out. The letters were positive in nature, despite saying that the man was keeping them. (laughs) What? I'm like, this is also like, it's like uh, capitalism. Uh, The letter from the guy, the man, sorry, said that he was given guardianship. What are you talking about? What? You can't just, also, this is like. Well, actually, I feel like, didn't we do that thing in, um. Wasn't it the girl in the picture where this, like, random guy, like, kind of got guardianship, sort of? I don't know. I feel like we definitely did a case where, like, someone just falsified a bunch of papers and went to a new state and was like, here I am. I'm the dad. And you're like, what? Yeah. Oh, because he – yeah. Oh, that case was really insane. I don't know. Because he, like, he, took the kid, and then they they, they took names names from, like, a gravesite, I remember. Yes. In any case, I mean, this is, a like, a wild claim. Yeah. To just be like, well, oh, I, guess, I was appointed guardianship, but I'll give the kids back. Back? Yeah, I'll give the kids back. And also guardianship of three kids that are very, like, now nationally and internationally known to be missing. That's actually a very valid point. I'm like, I know they did not have DNA testing or whatever back then, but I think they could look at the faces and be like, oh, there's three kids that fit the description of the three missing kids that now need a new family because they're not with their family anymore. Okay, that is and- true. Good point. Uh, police compared handwriting for Jane's letter, and they thought it could be legit. 
So they all went to the meeting place, sent in the letter about returning the kids to no luck. Later on, then, a third letter came, allegedly from Jane, that said the man realized they got the cops involved with a disguised detective, so he decided to keep the kids because they betrayed his trust. Mm-hmm. Right. In 1990, also, what person would think they like would just be like, okay, let's just go to do this without detect. Like, anyway. Yeah, I'm not Liam Neeson. I wouldn't be doing that by myself. No, not at all. Um, in 1992, so this is now almost like 30 years on, new forensics examinations of the letters really confirmed that they were a hoax. Fingerprint technology had improved, and the author was identified as a 41-year-old man with nothing fucking better to do, I guess. What a piece of crap. Yeah. He was a teenager at the time, but still play fucking, I don't know. That's like, like fucked with up. With sticks or whatever you could do. Like, yeah, what the fuck? I, I don't know. Yeah, go watch TV, play baseball. Like, why is this your idea of like a fun thing to do? Yeah. Call like, someone and ask if their refrigerator is running. Like, yeah. <laughs> a harmless prank. Be harmless. Yeah. Or I don't know, like chew bubblegum. Like, what, what could you do? <laughs> chew bubblegum. Yeah, sir. <laughs> or like, how uh, because, do you do fellow kids? <laughs> Again, it's like I'm still looking for hobbies in the year 2023. So like, who knows? Yep. Um, because of the time that elapsed from this, he wasn't charged with any offense. And I kept on trying to find his name. I couldn't really find his name being anywhere because I wanted to drag this <laughs> idiot. But <sighs> whatever. There also was found in a garbage dump three suitcases full of newspaper clippings about the case with like lies all BS on them found. And they kept on crossing out. (gasps) I know. And they kept on crossing. Very Homeland. You know how you annotate your newspaper articles? What? (laughs) It's like, oh, I finished finished the crossword. So I figured I'd just, you know, do some copy editing on the side. Yeah, right. Some casual copy. Some little fact checking. (laughs) You know. And like whenever there were photos in the newspaper clippings of like the the thin face man, they'd be crossed out and be like, not him. So they were like, um, who the fuck is this? A day later, it was found that it was owned by an elderly woman who died, and she was just obsessed with the case. So her family threw all those out after she died. So she just kind of podcasting was around. Everybody needs a hobby. Yeah, exactly. You know, everybody needs a hobby. That's why I was like, I can't even front her because then I was like, if someone looked on my Google Drive, they'd be like, every week he has another case. That <laughs> stuff on here. So I could I can even front her. Well, I actually I saw this article related to uh the Anna Walsh disappearance, how Brian Walsh mm. is googling like how to commit murder. Oh. Not exactly Wait, that, you, but Did you watch the video? I didn't. I didn't. But I actually I saw a video of him getting like arrested and he was smiling and I was like that's creepy. There's a video of him in court and they're like at 12:08 you googled how to get rid of a body. At 12.25, you Googled how to make a body stop smelling. At 12.35. Yes, yes, all you- types of stuff. Suffocation, like lethal suffocation, I feel like he Googled, like all types of stuff. And then I saw this article that was like, should Google be able to alert the authorities that they think you're going to oh. commit a murder? And I'm like, no, because I'm going to be on a watch list immediately, like every day That's for a trivia. I'm Googling like, little known serial killers, serial killers who killed by like strangling. Like, uh, you know, please don't do that because I will get arrested immediately. That's actually point counterpoint or they need to, you need to do like a, you need like a press pass to be like, no questions asked, please. Oh my God. Then yes, I feel like I they would ask pass. Pass. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. 
I also think this is the week we do a bonus episode of some news because that. Yeah, I think we have to. Alec Baldwin and Elizabeth Holmes. And the Alex Murdoch trials is starting Fuck. today. I think they're doing jury, jury selection. So nothing okay. like huge yet, but. All right. Um, but we'll, we'll, we're going to start bringing back some more news newscasting moments because there's so there's this 2023 is off to a start. Yeah, it's off to a start. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So, like we said, I mean, and as we were just talking about, there's a lot of things that get messed up, confused, just more harm than good for a lot of these cases after getting crazy. So there's a lot, but there still were a lot of suspects that were being thought up. Um, There was a lot of them that kind of didn't really fit any bill, but we're highlighting a few that we feel kind of, people were more so inclined to think than not. So... One of these people was Bevan Spencer von Einem. He was born what in 1946. I, this uh, man should quite, just be like a, a German count. <laughs> he really should. He really should. He'll fly back with, with Gerard. Be like, you doing a yeah. Bible? Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing Dusseldorf. Uh, so born in 1946, he was sentenced to life in prison in 1984 after he also, he was part of um, these like family, really unfortunate, like family murders that were happening a lot during that time. Um, he murdered a 15-year-old boy who was the son of a newscaster at that time, which is very hard. And the newscaster retired in, like, 2010. So he, uh, this was, oh, like, wow. the first year he, like, started. Because that's what I also looked up to think, like, was this, like, a, a crime of, like, was the newscaster doing some like something with journalism? And then they were, like, annoyed at that. But it was, like, before he was yeah. even known. So it was just um, circumstance. Wow. And very crazy. During this time... An informant known as Mr. B told police that uh, Bevan said he, and no, Mr. B is not Bevan, but another Mr. B said that he took three kids from a beach to do experiments on them, performing a quote unquote brilliant surgery that connected them up. What does that mean? That's giving like human centipede. I do not like that. I do not like the sound of that at all. No. He further said one of the kids died during this, so he dumped the other two in a bushland. Uh, which is kind of just like a, a swampy type thing. They didn't think of him at first for this, but they did feel like he kind of did fit the description. However, though, police reception of this alleged confession from Mr. B was mixed. There was enough plausible details to warrant for the research, yet other details did not really fit with known facts and were regarded kind of like, I don't really know if this ties in. Hmm. Um, and also... In terms of the guy's M.O., he was fucking very weird. This guy was, like, known as, like, a perv at the beach who frequented it. I know, just, like, a known perv. I was like, how is that? How is that? A th- how are you guys? How is this allowed? How are you known? Yeah, I was like, yeah. I, I understand, like, someone, be, but, like, once you're known, aren't you banned? Or I guess, can you not ban? Like, I don't know. <laughs> New Jersey beaches, you have to show a beach bass badge, and you have to sign up for the beach badge. So I feel like you could have just not let him sign up for the beach badge. Um, again, this was the 60s and the 80s. 
Uh, so yeah, so the argument though is that these the the Beaumont children were younger than his initial suspects because he went for usually like he was uh, late teenagers, early twenties types kids, and usually always male. Hmm. So interesting. So then another suspect, Arthur Stanley Brown, who was born in 1912, was charged with murdering two sisters in 1998, Judith and Susan McKay uh, in Townsville. And the day they disappeared on their way to school, it was August 26, 1970. Their bodies were found several days later in a dry creek bed. Um, Both girls were strangled and also, I think, assaulted. And their school uniforms were folded neatly near their bodies, which was interesting because... Arthur Stanley Brown uh, had this weird habit that people noticed of folding up his garbage into neat squares before he threw it away. Hmm. Yes. And he's also believed to have abducted Kirstie Gordon and Joan Ratcliffe from a football game in August 1973. Um, Basically, a man who fit his description was seen leaving, holding the younger girl while Joanne followed behind him and, like, she was literally kicking him and screaming. But people didn't really notice. Like, people just assumed that 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 he was their grandfather and, like, they were mad that they had to leave the game early. Um, Like, nobody knew what to make of it. Also, this guy, if you look up, he's, like, tall and skinny. His face, he got the buckle fat removal before it oh, was trendy. Wait, yes. I'm just kidding. But, you know, he's, like, very gone. Wait, is it buckle um, or bucal? Is it buckle? I don't know. I thought okay. it was buckle. But maybe I'm, buckle. I mean, I'm dumb, so it's probably buckle. I don't buckle know, but up, if you buttercup. buckle up, yes. No, but seriously, if you look up like the police sketches, because there were like a few released, and you look up this guy, it's like a dead ringer, honestly. And then on top of that, he was um pretty much a known creep pedophile. His first wife, Hester, caught him molesting a child, and she told her older sister that she couldn't leave her kids alone with Brown. And then he was also having an affair with Hester's sister. And then what do you know? In 1978, Hester suddenly dies from a fall. Huh. And then he married the sister. A lot of co- that's a, that's a, <laughs> a lot of coincidences. He also had a secret room in his house that he that locked on the inside, apparently. And he was known to have molested between five to eight of his relatives. I saw five in one source. I saw eight in another Shit. source. Um, often at the spot where the McKay sisters' bodies were found. And so, and that came out because basically like what, like years later, one of his relatives um, saw something about him on Crime Stoppers and then oh. called the police and was like, oh, by the way, um, he molested a bunch of us. So he was arrested for double homicide, but in his first trial in 1999, the jury couldn't reach a verdict because the evidence was strong, but it was circumstantial. Um, and also the accusations against his family members didn't, like, weren't presented in court. And so then he was supposed to be retried in July 2000, but that was delayed. Um, his lawyer applied for a Section 613 verdict, basically saying that he was unfit to be tried because um, he had dementia, dementia and Alzheimer's. And so he never actually, he was found incompetent, so he never went to trial again. And then he died in 2002. So it's not, I mean, I don't know. It's still not like totally decided. Obviously, we don't know. Um, but the the history's lining up a little bit. The history is definitely lining up. The one thing is that like there were no employment records that existed that could shed light on his movements at the time. So like if he could have been near the Beaumonts, 
Some of the records were believed to be lost in the 1974 Bris- Brisbane? Brisbane? I want to Bris- uh, Well, Nicki Minaj in a song calls it Brisbane, but I know she likes to like sometimes like rhyme. Like I, I know like sometimes- I feel like that's how Americans think it should be pronounced and then we're going to be made fun of. Oh, Brisbane. What I-, I don't know. It doesn't matter. They, they were lost in this flood and it's possible that Brown, he was like a- yeah, a maintenance carpenter with the Department of Public Works. So he had access to government buildings. So he may have destroyed his own files. Um, but he could, I don't know, he could have done it. Uh-huh. I guess we could discuss at the end, but. I know, that's a thing. And then the, I think this this one is my prime suspect. That's, I know, the three that we picked, because I think they had like, I think uh, when I was, so articles like really kept on repeating six names or so, these three, and then the other three I looked up, they were just like, they were around at the time and committed a crime. I'm like, okay, well, they don't really have as much like substance. That's fair. Especially when you have like these major names, like also Harry Phipps, who was a local factory owner and also at the time a member of the town social elite. So like a very notable person. He became a suspect kind of recently, all things considered, after a book was released, The Satin Man, Uncovering the Mystery of the Missing Beaumont Children. And this was released in 2013. Okay. In the in the book, he was not named as the Satin Man. I also don't totally know. I'm like, what is a Satin going. Man? It's reminding me of Slender Man. I don't know. It was reminding me of Muffin Man, and I don't know if just because I'm hungry. <laughs> um, but after it came out, his estranged son, Hayden, did say, I think it was my father. Uh-oh. Looking back, Harry... Looked kind of the description, and also because he was very well off, was known for giving $1 notes. Hmm. And, this is a more unfortunate part, was later revealed to have pedophile tendencies. I don't really know what, tend- I mean, I, I don't think there's a tendency scale for I, I, I To me, it's like child porn, like you even have it, having it as a crime. Like, what's yeah, a tendency? Kinda, it's like, it's like. Like, no, you you are a pedophile. Yeah. And to add on to that, he lived only 300 meters away from the beach. Okay. His son, who was 15 at the time of disappearance for the uh, Beaumont children, he came forward to researchers in 2007 saying that he saw children in his father's yard that day. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. He... he uh, he also came forward and said that he was uh, like uh, assaulted by his dad and everything like that. So kind of in that regard, uh, two other people, youths at the time, said that they had been paid by Phipps to dig a two-by-one by two-meter hole in his factory yard that weekend for unstated reasons. So they kind of were just like, bury a hole. <laughs> That's not suspect at all. We just need to dig a six-foot-by-six-foot hole. And I guess, you know... Two by one by two meters. Two by one by two meters. I don't know, you guys. We uh, don't we don't use metric uh, system, even though we should. But we sh- really should. Yeah. Like, let's end daylight savings. Let's get metric. I'm I'm down for it all. We're keeping our ice cubes, though. I don't know if Australia does ice cubes, but I know uh, they. Oh my god, I think they have to. Oh With yeah. How hot it gets. That's true. Yeah. I feel like that's just Europe. And a margarita. Vibe and Bondi. A margarita. Uh, there you go. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to watch that episode uh, later on tonight. Uh, group penetrating radar found one small anomaly, which can indicate movement or objects within the soil. But I feel that's kind of like, I don't know, tectonic plates. Ain't the soil always moving? I, 
Well, yeah, I kind of read from an article that they found that the soil had been moved, but I'm also like, soil can be moved for like any number of innocent reasons. Like that was not, that to me just, I don't know, you know, yeah, was kind of like, oh, so you either, maybe you gardened or like, I, I don't know. I was like, <laughs> and then, and also- the dig found literally no additional evidence and investigations into the site were closed. They went back there even more recently, 2018, after a private investigation was sponsored by a local TV station. These networks really are trying to dig up some ratings or something. I don't even know, because it's like, why do we keep on doing this? Uh, the dig took nine hours and just came up with animal bones and rubbish. So really nothing major to report. Yeah. And so ultimately, the case is still unsolved, and it resulted in one of the largest investigations in Australian criminal history. And in January 2018, the premier of South Australia, Jay Wetherill, said South Australia police had never given up on the case, and they have a policy that no murder investigation ends in a closed file. And there's currently a million-dollar reward. And also important is that this case really became a— it just brought about a big shift in society of how people supervise their kids. And I think, um, you know, we had the same thing in America um, where like, and I don't know if it was around the same time or because of this case, but like at the time it was, it was not really a big deal that kids, you know, go play alone or travel unsupervised. Um, you know, I think today, if this were to happen, I think the public backlash against the parents would be, a lot. Huge, yeah. right, rightfully or wrongfully. Um, but back then, that was really normal, and nobody felt that the parents were negligent. It's also hard, too, because I was even thinking, I mean, obviously, now it's you think of everything so differently. But um, how close they live to the beach, I feel like it's like yeah. how growing up, you're like, oh, go play in the park. Like, yeah. it's, just, it's such a weird thing. And I'm like, obviously, I'm sure the parents now, looking back, they're like, why did we do that? But you never, you never expect the worst thing to happen. Yeah. You hope not. Yeah. Right. I think at this point, like, sh this case really, I think, brought about stranger danger. Um, mm -hmm. Like, this case and others really changed that. I think before that, it just really wasn't a concern. Um, and also, where they lived was really safe or believed to be. So, yeah, I think then after that, people started to be a lot more wary about letting their kids just, like, play by themselves and stuff like that. Um, the parents ended up divorcing and lived separately because they just wanted to get away from everything. Very fair. Uh, yeah, I think it's very common in cases like this. I think, um, yeah. And they reportedly accepted that they'll never really know the truth. Nancy passed away in 2019 at the age of 92. Jim is still alive in his mid-90s. Um, it's hard because a lot of these suspects are have also passed passed yeah because it's like they are seven and six like the kids also like the oldest being like seven in 1966 it's been yeah yeah so we may never uh, know um I but i i definitely think it was um that arthur stanley brown guy arthur. everything i was reading once you look at the sketch and you look at his face uh wow it is it is uncanny I know. I really, there was a part of me that kind of the hairy guy with the one note and everything like that, I really was linking towards That's that. True. But, Ar but Arthur, re I, I kind of feel 
could have been the person. And then just like the fact that his uh, deteriorating health just will never have answers from it. But I really mm-hmm. could have felt that 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 could have been it. Yeah. But I mean, we'll never, uh, like you said, we'll never ultimately know. We might. I mean, who knows? It's like we we may never know. Something could happen, I guess, but. The only thing we will know is who will be the winner of 2023 trivia. Not another true crime. And it's not looking good for me. So (laughs) we'll see. Well, don't worry, Sarah. There is no music this game, so you might get a chance to pull <laughs> a couple points back today, or at least a point. So today, we are going to be playing a game called Down Six Feet Under. All right. <laughs> uh, so this is how it's going to work. Um, as we all know, Australia is the Down Under, but here in America, we have a Down Under of our own called Florida. So I'm going to be reading you headlines for popular crimes. um, And you're going to have to tell me whether this was in the real Down Under, Australia, or in our Down Under, Florida. These are amazing. I had a lot of fun finding these headlines. Oh, boy. So, Sarah, you will go first today. And here is the first headline. Failed ATM theft quickly turns into a comedy of errors. I'm going to give you a little bit of context here. Um, So a man pulled up on his truck and tied a chain, like a steel chain around an ATM, (laughs) and then drove off without realizing that the chain wasn't actually attached. So like it was just there. So he just tied a chain on an ATM machine and drove away. Yeah. And then minutes later, he returned to the scene of the crime. Dumb. Or the attempted crime. Uh, and then realized the chain was just too short to do what he wanted to. And then just like left with his tail between his legs. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Okay. So I feel like, honestly, what's the crime there? He just decorated them. <laughs> like- no, attempted theft is a crime. <laughs> like, even you know, if you were too dumb to do it. Even swiping oh, or swiping? Um, okay, this does sound very Florida, but I could see, I'm, it sounds so Florida. I guess I'll go with Florida. Incorrect. It is Australia. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's hilarious. So this guy, he was from Queensland in Australia. Um, (laughs) nice Danny. Uh, and he was never caught. They had they had a very very um, incredible video of him doing this whole thing, um, which is great, a great watch if you're curious. But yeah, he was never caught. He he got away with it. They they uh, couldn't find this um, this would be criminal. Also, let's not waste time on someone who almost stole. Like, uh-huh. I feel like that's so Australia though. They're I mean right? Yeah. They're just like well, <laughs> we're gonna yeah. we're gonna go after this guy who tried to. More. Wait, that also makes me feel like, despite this case right now, it's like, is Australia like so safe and chill? It's like, no, we need to find the guy who almost stole an ATM. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Imagine running up to like an officer in New York, like that person almost stole an ATM. They're like, okay. They're like, so exactly. (laughs) They're like, why are you snitching? (laughs) All right, Danny, this is the next headline Man arrested for giving people wedgies. Oh. (laughs) Australia or Florida. This, mm, this kind of is giving me Australia too. Incorrect. This was oh. Florida. Oh. 
So Captain this Underpants was a, Florida, a classic Florida man <laughs> who was arrested for a series of pranks he videotaped and put on the oh. internet. Idiot. So he no. went to a movie theater and was going around giving what use to random people to put it That's on TikTok. Like, oh my god! I think TikTok prank oh my people god. on social media—that's life. That's life in prison. That annoys me to no end. They're not funny. Life prison. I know. I know. They're so bad, and especially those that they're in like grocery stores and they oh. they prank the people working there. It's like, dude. Come on. Like, you know what? They're working. Why don't you get off fucking TikTok and get a job? Not to be a boomer. And then, like, that can be, you won't have time to do pranks. <laughs> it's so annoying to me. Yeah, so this oh man, God, that's the worst. his name was Ross. He did, he did offer an apology. He said, oh, I'm okay. sorry that someone got offended. It's supposed to be oh a joke. Oh, my God. Fuck off. Some people find humor and laugh at it. Others can't. And oh, despite his arrest... Veggies? He said that he will keep making videos. He doubled an down asshole. on the whole thing. Okay, what? make an a asshole. cooking video. <laughs> make a cooking also, a wedgie? Like, what is that? I know. I know what it, I'd be like, who the fuck do you think you are? Oh, God. Well, it's sometimes assault. I think, no, right? Sometimes That's I think a, we yeah. should be, like, more tit for tat. Like, I think he should just, like, we should give him a sentence of time where he can get surprise wedgied at any point over, mm-hmm. like, a five-month span. <laughs> and then see how he and likes you know it. Also, you know what? Do wedgie, wedgie people for six months and not film it so you don't get a little, like, dopamine fix from getting a like. And see if you still want to fucking do it. Uh, insane. Oh, he insane. enraged me today. I'm awake now. <laughs> <laughs> Happy Monday. All right. Sarah, this is the next headline. Man tries to pawn stolen jewelry at store managed by woman whose home he just robbed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I got to go with Florida. You are correct, Sarah. You are first on the board today. That is one point. So this was a 33-year-old named Nathaniel Coleman of Imel Cali, Florida. So he went and burglarized a home and immediately went to a pawn shop with thousands of dollars worth of jewelry and the woman who was there looking at the at the stolen loot was like, "This is my jewelry. <laughs> I oh, recognize all God. of this. It was all her home. I mean, this is a little bit of bad what luck. What a coincidence! That's what a coincidence! Wild. So she immediately phoned the police, and he got arrested. <laughs> Damn! And she got her stuff back. Yeah, yeah she got her stuff back. <laughs> she didn't even re- know that she had been burglarized at this point. Like, oh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Whoa. That's a great it was way to literally find the out. Same day. Yeah. Oh <laughs> shit. Wow. Yeah. Wow, she hadn't wow, even wow. realized. <laughs> Crazy. You gotta be checking like W2s at your next burglary just to make sure <laughs> that they don't work at a pawn shop. Uh bad bad luck. Bad luck guy. All right, Danny. Here is the next headline. Alleged drug dealers claims of innocence undone by a hilarious selfie with his oh. huge stash. Arr. Oh my god. I love when criminals do that. It's so funny. I know. This is really just crimes of clout. Um <laughs> I'm gonna go uh, Australia. That is correct, Danny. Okay. Well done on the board as well. So yeah, this guy police got a tip off that someone was selling drugs and they went to this guy's home. And they found a safe. They opened it. There was a huge amount of weed in it. 
And the criminal was like, oh, no, I don't know what that is. Like, I've never seen that. <laughs> like, serious? what is that? Who, I don't, who put who that put there? Who put that safe in there? And who made the combination <laughs> my birthday? He's like, that's not kale? <laughs> <laughs> so police decided to just casually go through his phone to see no, what had happened. Uh, and on his album, they found like a whole slew of selfies of him like posting shirtless <laughs> with the huge <laughs> stack of weed and oh. money and like all these like selfies of him in different parts of the house with all this loot. So they were like, yeah, you are uh, going in. So he was flicked. The, the <laughs> policeman was like, um, he's done a selfie flexing a bit of muscle and showing off this booty of drugs. Booty. So his claims of innocence were quickly undone <laughs> by his hilarious. vanity. Oh, that so damn. <laughs> that is amazing. All right, Sarah, back to you. This next headline is Claws for Concern. <laughs> Man gets stuck in a pharmacy chimney during alleged robbery wearing a Santa hat. Wait, I know this one. I feel like this happened. I feel like I did this for trivia, so I'm going to say Florida. Australia. What? This was Australia. I mean, it might have happened in Florida too, happened. I guess. Maybe it wasn't a pharmacy, <laughs> but I think there was a there was like a Santa Claus burglar who <laughs> Yeah, okay, I'd have to google it now, but I definitely did this for trivia. That is so funny. I don't think chim- do do pharmacies in Florida have chimneys? <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah, there was a little oh. hint in the headline here cuz yeah. Florida homes. Don't why would really they have, have them chimneys. in Australia? Because they're cute. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I think it also it gets a little cold in Australia. I think if you're a little north, mm. you might okay, need a little know. fire. Come from a land down under. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. Uh, so yeah, an alleged robber may end up on the naughty list this Christmas, <laughs> as he became stuck in a chimney of a pharmacy north oh. of Melbourne and was arrested. The alleged thief was wearing a Santa hat. Okay, if you dress in full Santa, you fucking yourself over because, like, then you're like the Santa hips can't really. That there's no there's no North Pole magic to get you out of that IRL. <laughs> but you have to like respect the commitment to the bit. Oh, a hundred percent. Like there was a back door, but I chose chimney. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this is our final question today, Shit. and this is a tie game. It's one to one. So, Danny, Uh-oh. the game is in your hands, and here is your headline. Man arrested for attempting to break into jail, Florida or Australia. I mean, this is really just giving Florida. That is correct, Danny. <laughs> I think only in this the U.S. Guy, would you want to break into jail. <laughs> to jail. <laughs> this guy, um, he was arrested for attempting to break into jail because he wanted to hang out with his friends. Wait. <laughs> yeah. He was just a little lonely and all his buds were in prison. He's like, where's the shoe that clicks to my clock? (laughs) So he got in his car and he rammed his car into the front door of the jail. (laughs) And then got out and tried to climb a fence. What? So um, it obviously didn't work. Do not have visitation? Just ask for visitation. My God. So uh, after that, he attempted to fight off the law enforcement officers. Uh, so he was uh, he was facing charges no. of aggravated assault no. and battery on law enforcement officials. Wow. Three counts of felony criminal mischief, <laughs> which is the best. 
And he also attempted to flee, so he left the scene of a crash <laughs> with oh property damage. And on top of all this, he was driving under the influence that tracks. of a synthetic drug called Flaca. Yes, wait, which, do you remember this? I remember when Flaca was like a huge concern. It was basically what like is Flaca. Meth. It's kind of oh, like, it's like meth. synthetic meth. Yeah. Interesting. Um the 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 the, the chemical name for it is very long. <laughs> um, Alpha pyrodinopentindophonone. I'm not I, even wow. joking. No. Wow. Well, don't do it if you don't want to end up in prison for wanting to uh break into prison. I mean, shout out to that group chat though. <laughs> <laughs> Must be fire. Must be Which, fire means. <laughs> What you guys up to? Oh, you know, just in prison. Oh, I'm, I'm on my way. Uh, say, say no more. I'm, I'm <laughs> rolling with the homies. My God. Well, Danny, you have won today's oh. game of Down Six Feet Under. Congratulations. You, Even though there was no music today, you still managed to pull ahead in this championship to an early lead of three to zero. Oh, woof. So, Sari, you have some catching up to do. That's not great. <laughs> you'll, yeah. you'll get there. You'll get there. I feel like January is coming in too hot. It's like resolutions. I'm sticking to all my resolutions so far. I feel like with February, we're going to derail. <laughs> but I mean, thank you both to Florida and Australia for keeping us keeping us going uh, <laughs> this game. And if you guys also obviously have any thoughts about the, the crime or more cases you want us to cover, let us know in Not Another True Crime group on Facebook or DM them to at Not Another True Crime, uh, where we also post fun stuff and Sarah does really good daily trivia. So it's really a, a hoot to follow. And you can follow me on Instagram at Cashmere, Danny Cashmere with a K. You can follow me at Sarah Lameem. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to NATC at Betches.com. Betches.